start off this morning by saying, what if, what if you could live outside your body for some time, but you would carry yourself along, you would take you with you wherever you go. You would take you with you when you go shopping. You would take you with you when you go to work. You would be something, a separate entity of you, but you would still be with you. How would you value yourself? Maybe you would carry yourself in a backpack. I don't know, but somehow you would be having you with you at all times. How would you treat you? Would you consider yourself fearfully and wonderfully made? Or just something to be abused Trashed, disregarded, thrown aside. Maybe that's what you've heard. You're just a piece of trash. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're just garbage. You're just blank. You could fill in the blank. Maybe at your job they've told you that. You know how much you are worth? What we just saw in that video... This massive universe which we, can, which we never can understand to begin with, it's just way beyond our imagination. And then the complexity of the human body. You know how much we're worth that God would send His Son to die. But that's not what's part of our minds. That's not what's part of our mentality. You know, like we're constantly evaluating, looking in the mirror and kind of trying to um, evaluate and compare and maybe compete and, and all those things, you know. Let me ask it this way. If bodies were for sale at the dealer shop, would you go trade yours in? Would you look for a newer model? Maybe one with a little bit shinier, a bit fancier. Maybe a deluxe model. Would you? Would you upgrade to a better one? Younger looking, stronger perhaps. One more popular, more in style. This is not a funny laughing matter. Our world has gone nuts on this one. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling what is happening to humanity in our, in our time. A lot of people don't like their bodies. That is a fact. They, in fact, hate themselves. And some decide to just end it all because I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. Maybe you're not one of those people. Maybe you're one of the people who would, I don't care how I look, it's okay how I look, I just would like to have less pain. I'd like to trade for a body that has less worn out parts. So much pain and so much, so many things are not working anymore. You're still fearfully and wonderfully made. That changes nothing. This last week I read an article in Europe, there's a country where they have uh, legalized euthanasia for quite some time. And did you know that today, according to this article, people are killing themselves with the help of doctors, six people a day on average. And these are not people who are old, incapacitated, don't know anymore. These are, some of them are, but a lot of these people are middle-aged people my age, younger. I'm depressed. Life isn't worth living. I want to die. Okay, no problem. Maybe not quite that simple, but that's the direction it's going. As young as 12 years old. Not fearfully and wonderfully made. When death becomes a solution to those kinds of problems, we got problems. 
And our country is on the brink of embracing it. Oh, sure, we've done a lot of good things in our time and in our culture. We've done a lot of good things. For instance, poverty is going down. People are having more food and better shelter in some areas. That's a good thing. And so we would think that as we would get better at caring, we would get better at everything. But unfortunately not. We are doing stuff with ourselves that nobody would have dreamed possible even as late as as 50 years ago. We don't consider ourselves fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't want to speak here in judgment of those who give up, who despair, who end it, who actually commit suicide. I'm not here to speak in judgment of that. God will deal with that. But I want us to consider, who do we consider ourselves to be in the light of the fact that we are God's creation? We're his image bearers. We're his portraits on earth. We are cherished. We're valued. Let me use another illustration. If God would take you, put you back in time before you were born, and would tell you that I'm going to put you on earth, but I'm going to let you decide where you want to be born, what time period you want to be born, which parents you want to be born to, what kind of looks you want, what kind of IQ you want, what kind of popularity you're hoping for, I will let you decide that. And then giving our sin, given our sin nature, the world of what it is, how well would we do? We would royally mess this one up. We would, we would, we would completely fail on this one. In our world today, we have gone nuts. And more and more people don't consider themselves as fearfully and wonderfully made. And many of them, they might not verbally say it this way, but this is the idea. Well, yeah, God made me, but I'm just, I've got no value. If you're here this morning and you feel that way, this sermon is for you. People have since the dawn of time not been happy with who they are, how they look, and what they are. I know in this culture it's so important how you look. How you perform is so important. The status you have is so important. But really, does it matter to God? I'm not here saying you should be careless how you perform and how you look. You shouldn't care about those things. But you should care about the inner person. Who are you in in God's eyes? How's your character? The question eventually comes out. What is your identity? Yeah, God made a great and glorious universe, but why? For his, own, for his honor, for his glory. And you know what he's doing? We are his image bearers to observe, to enjoy, to embrace, and to praise him. If you go home and watch this slide by Louis Giglio at home later on, he quotes St. Augustine. And actually, when I was doing my sermon, I wrote these notes earlier. So I will just ask to go to the first slide here by St. Augustine. It says this, Men go abroad to wander. At the height of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. If you think humans are not beautifully and wonderfully created, look at a baby. Spend some time and look at a little baby. Watch it sleep. Watch it sit and observe and move its little hands. Watch it as it embraces life. 
No matter how advanced science and technology will become, they will never get even a little bit close to that. It will never happen. God created the world and life and all that's in it, and he said, it's very good. Do we ever stop to consider this? We need to stand in awe of what God has done. Let's read Psalm chapter 139, beginning verse 13 to verse 16. The psalmist writes, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I want us to remember this passage this morning. This is the foundation out of which I want to move as we go through this passage, as we talk about being fearfully and wonderfully made. You and I, We're on the mind of God from eternity. Even before he set the days of our lives. Before that, we existed in his mind. Everything you see, whether it's a pencil, whether it's an object, it doesn't matter what kind of object, that object existed in the mind of somebody before it was ever built. You and I existed in the mind of God before time. Think about that. If I would hold before you an old painting, perhaps an old original by a famous artist of many years ago, most of you or many of you would know, okay, that thing has value because of who painted it. And some paintings fetch millions of dollars because they're, they're, they're just treasured so much. Some people are good at making knockoffs, but they're not worth that much. I brought something with me today. It has a lot of value in this life. Can you tell me what this is? Who wants to come and get it? Come and get it? You're welcome to. Get it. You can have it. Read it closely. What does it say? It's not a real one. It looks like a real one, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what the world does. It tries to reform us, reshape us, redesign us, customize us to make people think, oh, we're the real deal. And you know what we are? We're fake when we do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear nice clothes or have money or go places. That's not what I'm saying. But if we're made after the image of this world, it's fake. I did bring another one, by the way. This one is not for sale. So I have two, actually. See, this one looks pretty good this way. And I'll destroy it because I don't want to be accused of copying, copying money. But this one. Now, which one is the real one? We all know this one's the real one. Why is this one worth more than this one? Because this one's made by the Bank of Canada. They will honor this one. They'll give you $20 worth of merchandise wherever you take it. Because this is the real one. This is fake. And this is important for us to understand. We have to decide whose voice we're going to listen to. We have to decide whose path we're going to follow. The world is a master counterfeiter. The fake one has no value. I can 
Is this one worth less now than it was before? It's still real. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. It's still real. I can crumble it, make it look ugly. This one still buys the same amount. It doesn't matter what the world does to you as God's image. The value will never decrease. You will always be worth the same in God's eyes. In fact, if God had put a price sticker on every human being, they'd all be worth the same. Every single one of them is worth the blood of his son. And God loves you so much, each one of us, that he's willing to go to the cross and die to save us, to redeem us. We will never fully understand that on this side of eternity. And the most sacred thing, as Rabbi Zacharias puts it, the most sacred thing that God has done, he's given you and me the decision, am I going to honor this position or not? Am I going to take this opportunity or not? I can choose to accept it or reject it. You and I are God's property. We're bought with a price, Paul writes, the price of blood. We're God's temple, Paul writes. So with that, let's look a little bit closer in detail. What is the world doing? As I mentioned, the world is trying to reinvent humanity in our time. Has always tried it in some way, but it's getting crazy in our day. A better you. A better you? Somehow that there's a title somewhere out there called A Better You. The culture wants us to believe that we should focus on the here and now at the expense of the eternal. Whether it's fashion, sports, recreation, entertainment, or fame, or money, you name it, they're trying it. So if you just had a little more money, that portrait of God that you represent would be worth a little bit more? No. Well, I'm not saying you don't need more money. Maybe you're homeless. Maybe you're one who doesn't have a house. Yes, you need more money. But does that make you worth more? No, it doesn't. Or maybe you're a rich guy. Like, maybe you have millions. Maybe you're like, you know, somebody like Bill Gates, perhaps. Is he worth more? He cannot have so much money that he's worth one little bit more than you are. You're worth the same in God's eyes. It doesn't matter. The issue is not how much money you have or don't have. You're God's portrait. You're God's image. Whether you make it little or much or a huge amount, doesn't matter. There's another area where the world's trying to reshape us. If you look better, you know, if you look better. Really. I'm not saying we shouldn't exercise, get in shape. That's a good thing to do. Is that where your identity lies? Is that where your value is? The world would say so. And that becomes a milestone. That becomes a mile marker on which you base your life. And it disappoints. Uh, a New Year's Day I preached on learning to number our days. And Solomon wrote how he achieved everything he sought to achieve and how empty that was. Life under the sun leaves him empty. We as God's image bearers are created for greater things than just how beautiful we can look and the fashions we can carry and so on. I want to make a comment here though. I'm not saying looking beautiful and pretty is a sin. Don't get me wrong. But if that's your identity, then you're confused. Do you know that we don't buy clothes anymore because we want to be warm? A few clothing items we might buy for that reason. But there used to be when... I listened to a, um, a short piece on the Marketplace by CBC. And here's what they said. There's a place in, in Oakville, not too far from here. 90 tons of clothing a week are brought in as throwaway because nobody wants it. 90 tons a week. One collection place alone here in Ontario. 
And people buy clothes because of fashion, not because they want to stay warm. And so that lasts for a few weeks, and then something else is ended by that. Something else is ended by that. Here's what the guy said. He said, we used to buy clothing according to the season, the fall season, the winter season, the spring season, the summer season. He says, now the fashions change weekly. And every time the fashions change, oh, this is in now. This is in now. So we spend money to look up, to impress somebody, to see who's watching, to see who's looking. Whether it's apparel, whether it's clothing, or even our vehicles. The fashion industry has gone nuts. Hundreds of billions a year are spent in cosmetics because I want to look better. Trying to improve the portrait that you already are. And all of this thrives on our discontent with our present status. God doesn't care about that. You can be a beggar on the street or living in the richest mansion, you're worth the same to him. This has been since ancient times, since recorded history. Read the Egyptian history. They were obsessed with this. Read Roman history. They're obsessed with that. In fact, one writer wrote years ago, he said that there's scarcely a style today that you can find that Roman women didn't wear. They already were very advanced in their day. Let's face it. The world is trying to reinvent us into its image, and it's destructive. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you cannot improve on that image in God's eyes. Remember that. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't give in to the world's temptations. This was an issue in Old Testament times. It's an issue in New Testament times, an issue in the church that, in fact, Peter had something to say about it. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse chapter 3, beginning at verse 3 to 4. He's talking to the, to the people of his time, the church. He says, Do not let your adorning be external, but by the braiding of hair and putting on jewelry and, or clothing you wear. But let your adorning be hidden, the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Yes, he's speaking to women at that point. Yes, he's talking to the ladies. But this is a universal command. This goes to men and women both. The focus should not be how good can I present myself, what, how good can I fit in, how well can I um, accommodate. Let the inward beauty shine. It's a moving target. And if you go that route, you'll never arrive. And we so easily trade the real for the fake. I know you're disappointed in that fake 20. But how much worse would it be if you took, had given, if I said, bring me a 10 for this 20, and then you found out it was fake. Now you out that money. That's exactly what the world does. God's very best that he gave you. They take away from you and then give you something that's fake and won't last. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you're not for sale. Not to be traded, not to be bargained, not to be exchanged. Whether it's money, whether it's cosmetics, or whatever it may be. And life has become expendable in our time. Just look at the abortion industry. I read an article this last week that said, in our day today, worldwide, the abortion industry slaughters 40 to 50 million little babies before they're born. That's just, the st- that's just the stats that uh, hospitals and countries do record. How much is not recorded, we don't know. 
They're just a product of conception. It's my body. I can do with my body as I please. Those are the arguments we hear. No, it's not your body. It's God's portrait. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's yours for a short time. In fact, it's not even really yours. It's on loan to you to, to take care of for a while and then give back. And what condition do you want to give it back? And so if we get physically involved and the baby is the, is the result of that, oh, got to kill it. There are other options. Adoption agencies are always looking for little ones. And we forget that that child too is fearfully and wonderfully made. And in so many ways, in so many forms, our culture is trying to pull apart, disintegrate, compartmentalize everything to the point where nothing means anything anymore. And I could talk about a lot of areas, but I'll talk about the biggest one that has happened in the last 60 to 70 years. Well, I would say 60 years now, maybe. The biggest one, that's the institution of marriage. God gave marriage to men and women as an example of what he is like. A unity, a community of faith and love and oneness. One flesh, he says. We've destroyed it as a world. Not completely yet, but we're fast on the way. I want to just throw on that image there on the, on the overscreen for that next one. When you look at marriage, it used to be marriage, sex, and children. Intimacy. Those three made one unit. That was God's design in the Garden of Eden. He blessed Adam and Eve and said, Have children multiply and subdue the earth. But what has happened in our time now? Let's go to the next slide. Now we've separated it. Compartmentalized it. And so what culture did, we don't like to be married, but we want to be intimate. So let's get rid of the institution of marriage. We like to be intimate, we don't want children, so let's separate that as well. And it's created no end of disaster and the catastrophe that has started to unfold. We have no idea yet where that will end up. God never told us, oh, you can compartmentalize this, you can separate it if you like. We're destroying the image of God. And this whole idea that Psalm chapter 139, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, is being thrown out. Now we can have sexual one activity, children are aborted, marriage is discarded, and it will not survive. Our society has not yet begun to make the social and financial payments of those decisions. No society has ever survived the dismantling and redefining of the family unit. Ours won't be the first. Family unit is the most basic social structure that makes up the foundation, the backbone of any culture in our world. And it's being compartmentalized and always possible. What makes this so difficult to talk about and so, so ugly is that it used to be just a social push. And then it became a political push. And now it's also a religious push. Now it's social culture, politics, and the church is climbing on board with this. I do honestly believe that those preachers who believe that and that God is okay with this, they will have to account for that. The moral relativism in which we live will not stop. In the young adults class, we're going through Amos. And those people there, they knew better, they had the heart knowledge, the head knowledge, but they didn't care. And they suffered later for it. It often happens in a country when there's a leadership change and the people want to break with history. They don't want to be remembered uh, for what they did anymore. They will try to rewrite history. 
Even in our own country, in British Columbia last year, at City Hall in Victoria, there was a statue of Canada's Prime Minister, and they decided to take it down because he did some bad things, so we've got to get rid of the statue. It was just a statue, but they had a problem, and they decided to remove it. Did that change history? No. What happened still happened. It can never be undone. What will be the remembrance of us as a culture? It's almost as if we want to cover up the past by changing the present. Pretending never works. The lifestyle choices we make have long-lasting effects on us and our children and our children's children. We better get it right. Do not allow ourselves to be drawn in into this pretend and fake culture. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 14, beginning verse 1. It says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there's any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Altogether they've become corrupt. There's none who does, does good. Not even one. This was written way before Christ's time. Old Testament time. The nature has not changed. We're just better at doing bad things. When we forget that we're made in God's image, made for God's glory, made as his portrait, we run a huge risk. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The next slide there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in my sermon this morning, I know it's getting time for us to wrap up, but I have not yet begun to talk about gender confusion that's raging like a storm in our culture. There's no more any just male or female. Now it's an expanding variety of ways to define human beings. You can decide what you want to be, male or female, Never mind that you're either XX or XY chromosome. Now it's whatever you decide to be. However you identify yourself. And it's legal. I'm saying these people need to be loved with compassion as anybody else. But we cannot allow ourselves to be sucked and driven in to this concept that we can be whatever we decide to be. It creates confusion. It's against God's, God's rules. It doesn't stop there. Now we're talking of human, genetic human engineering. Designer babies. We forget that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. One writer said many years ago, God made man in his image and man returned the favor. We're reinventing humankind. How do you view yourself? Are you a creation of God for his glory? Are you a portrait of his in this world to bring him honor and glory and praise? The world will not let up. The world will continue with relentless pressure to conform, to compromise, to, to allow you to shape you into its, its form. Never believe a moment that the culture cares for you or is there for you. The culture is deceptive and false. Paul, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, 
John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The culture will pull you to pieces, crush you, shape you into its what it stands for. God wants you to have life and have it abundantly. You are his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Imagine someone would give you a life-size portrait of themselves. Imagine that it was painted by a famous artist and respected artist and it was given to you as a gift. What would you do with it? What would you do with it? Would you alter it, customize it, reshape it, make it look like something that it's not? Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're God's image on this earth, His portrait. And you cannot do just as you please without being held responsible for it. Satan wants you to believe that. Customize it, change it, trade it. Let me encourage you this morning to seek your identity in Christ. It has nothing to do with how much you know, how much money you have, how popular you are, what body shape you have, what your social status is. None of that makes any difference. In Christ Jesus, you're complete. He loves you. Come to Him. When you find your identity in Him, you will realize and be at peace, and nothing else will matter. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Go and celebrate that. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word to us. In your word, you tell us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The world would have us believe that we can add this and we should do this and we should do that and the other and then we would be, be okay. And that's a lie. We are good as we are in your sight as far as we're created. Yes, sin has turned us into wretches but you reconciled us to yourself through your blood. We're thankful. For all eternity we're yours. You bought us with your blood. Help us to celebrate that. In Jesus' name.